Welcome to the Choosing Hope podcast. My name is Munira Pramji and I am so glad you're here. This is the podcast where you will meet some extraordinary people who have faced adversity and have overcome it. And they're here to tell you how they did this and what they've learned. We will explore themes like hope, community, and self-care. Topics that I cover in my book, Choosing Hope, One Woman, Three Cancers. If you have any comments or suggestions or just want to say hello, please connect with me through Facebook, LinkedIn, or Instagram. My guest today is Joe Bakmutsky. Um, Joe is uh, an author. He is a cancer survivor. Really, he's more than that. He's actually a cancer thriver. He is the host of a podcast called Simplify Cancer. And most importantly, I'm speaking to Joe from his beautiful home in Australia. And so (laughs) it's 8 p.m. in Toronto and 10 a.m. in Australia. So thank goodness for technology. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Joe. Thank you, Munero. Thank you so much for having me. I really look forward to talking to you right now. Mm -hmm. We've had uh, quite the conversation already, just uh, pre-recording the podcast. And uh, I, I can't wait. I can't wait to dig deeper and learn so much about you. And I'd really like to start by asking you, who is Joe? <laughs> well, thank you so much, Manira. I really appreciate it. And you know what? This is something that I'm still trying to work out for myself. I think when you go through adversity, when you go through, uh, you know, in my case, uh, you know, cancer, and I think something that we all go through, we all go through change. We end up in a place where trying to work out, like, who am I, right? So many things have happened and so many things have changed. And, you know, I was, you know, when you're, I was talking about it with a friend the other day who, uh, and he, he asked me, what is your take on what is the meaning of life? And, and I believe that the, that the meaning of life is to create meaning for ourselves. And to me, I feel that created meaning and constantly just redefining who I am and working that out and, and exploring that and trying to have fun with it and trying to deal with, with the craziness that life throws at you mm-hmm. is become kind of my new identity. I feel that working through things and, 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 and picking out new ideas and, and finding new ways of dealing with things has become a huge part of who I am and what I want to be in the world. You know, you know, I uh, resonate so much with what you're saying, Joe, because um, I talk about this in my book, uh, Choosing Hope, um, where I talk about identity. So pre-cancer, I had a very clear concept of who I was. But when I went through the losses and the adversity that I did, I had to find myself again. And it wasn't easy. Um I don't know what the process is like for you, but for me, I had to literally rebuild myself from the um, inside out. And it really is a work of progress. And who I am today is so different from who I was pre-cancer. 
And so I actually understand at a deep level what it is that you're saying. So tell me about the Joe pre-cancer. What did you do? How did you live your life? <laughs> yeah, well, you know what, when you're, it's totally flipped on its head in a very similar way. I had, I was so certain of who I was. And in fact, I was at the best point of my life before cancer. I uh, just kind of before that, you know, um, uh, not long before I had cancer, I met the woman who uh, was is the love of my life. We married, we, we had our child. Um, I was working in the university and my career was just kind of going up uh, and everything was really going to plan as I would describe it. I mean, for the first time in my life, I've, <laughs> I've been through lots of, lots of awful things before and not so great things before, all of a sudden things were really picking up and things were really going right for me. And so it, life was really at the point where I was happy with everything and I just wanted it to go forward according, according to some kind of a script. And then one night when you're, I was just in the shower, I was just in the shower, kind of getting myself clean. And my hand reached down and I felt there was this hard lump. There was this hard lump on my testicle and it felt wrong. It felt like it shouldn't have been there. And I, I, I kind of ran to the doctor the next day and, and things really kind of happened on happened quite quickly from there. I was, I was, I was sent for tests and, and, and I found myself sitting in a neurologist office who, uh, you know, was sitting across the desk from me. And, and he said, well, I'm, I'm sorry to say this Joe, but you have cancer. And, and that was, uh, that was, of course, was, was a big turning point in my life. Right. Oh my goodness. And now the, it was testicular cancer and that was in 2016. Um, if you don't mind me asking, Joe, how old were you at that point? Yes, of course, Monero, I was I was 36 at the time. Wow. Wow. And you had your life planned and, and all of a sudden, I guess it was like a snow globe moment where when you shake a snow globe, nothing goes to plan anymore, right? It's all over the place. Uh, take me to that time, Joe. Um, what what was it like um, in terms of what you went through? So you get the diagnosis, I've got cancer. What happened to you emotionally, mentally, physically? I felt, Munir, I felt like I was, this happened in while I was in the urologist's office and I had my diagnosis, but I think it's, it describes well, I guess, how it happened for me in the month ahead. Uh, in terms of dealing uh, with the treatment and, and operation and chemotherapy, I felt like I was dropped into a water tank. I felt like I could kind of see things, but it wasn't clear. It was all kind of muddy. I felt like I could hear things, but it didn't really go in. Like all the sound was muffled. I it was like, uh, you know how like sometimes maybe we don't have that these days anymore, but you used to have like this broken 
kind of uh, connection on the phone, right? If you yes. were talking to overseas yes. or whatever. And like, you can't really work out clearly what's, what's happening, what the other person is saying. You can't really make sense of things. Right. And, and it was that profound sense of being lost, of being confused, of being miserable because everything you know has just been thrown up in the air. And, and in some ways also alone, because even though some of you know, my, my wife and my mom were incredibly supportive, but I feel like a lot of people didn't really understand what I was going through, you know? Mm. Wow, what, what a powerful metaphor that is being thrown into a, a water tank. I remember as well, the same kind of analogy and feeling like I just couldn't breathe and I just needed to escape. And there were times when I just denied that I had the cancer, just hoping that, you know, if I denied it enough, <laughs> that it would go away, but it doesn't go away, right? It sits there with you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You're, I, 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 um, I'm so with you on what you're saying, because, yeah, you're kind of hoping, hoping against hope in a way that it's just, it was all just like one giant misunderstanding that it was a, it, maybe it was just some kind of a cosmic mistake it happened and somebody's gonna come to you uh, knock on the door and say look it's we got it all wrong it's not it's not happening to you you don't deserve it uh here you go here's your life back um but that's not how it works right no no it does not it does not um so tell me about the time when you were at the lowest of the low during uh, this journey. Uh, I, f I remember that when I came, I had my operation uh, that was uh, the operation to remove the testicle with the cancer. And I remember saying, uh, I've been told that this is where it might end. The chances are uh, that, you know, we've, we've removed the cancer and we need to do tests, but we're hopeful that we got it out early and it hasn't spread to the rest of your body. And I love this idea so much. I really clung to it. I really, yes. I really believed in it. And I was almost joking about it with people, right. uh, uh, which is embarrassing for me to think of now but it was almost like that it was almost like i was really casual about it and and mm. oh it happened looks like you know i'm gonna recover and and everything's gonna go back to normal and of course uh, i go back to do the tests and i just remember you know, when the tests came back that the cancer has spread to my lymph nodes and that I'm going to get, um, you know, I'm going to go through uh, nine weeks of chemotherapy uh, and I'm going to be in the hospital and all of that sort of stuff. And there's all these side effects. And, and, and so it's all began this whole new part of my life, which I thought was conveniently gone. In my mind, I was like, I put it aside. I thought, surely that's not going to happen. And, and, and in that moment, I remember when I walked out of the urologist's office, I had my scans in my hand and there was this rain just lashing out at me. Um, 
And I remember holding those scans in my hand and I was just standing there. I didn't know what to do with myself. And the first overwhelming thing I felt was just feeling numb, just completely numb. I didn't feel the rain. I didn't, I had no thoughts. I, I just felt so blank. I, I just stood there and I, it, I was like, like uh, an empty canvas. And, 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 and I knew that, that it was empty. I had to do something. I, I, and that was probably the lowest point because I was just so drained of anything that I expected. And, and, uh, and all of my hopes at the time completely went out of the window and were com- thrown out. And I was not even back to square one. I was lower than square, <laughs> square nice. one. I, I, was, I was just at the low because I was now realized that this thing is very real and somehow I need to deal with it in whatever way I can. You know, um, one of my experiences is, um, is that when we have those emotions and whatever those emotions are, whether it's numbness or emptiness or um, fear, uh, we can't just sweep that under the rug we've got to go through that. We've got to feel it. We've got to figure it out. We've got to figure out what the learning is because until we do that and kind of accept where we're at, there is no room for change. And it seems like you went through that. I went through that until some point you come to acceptance and say, okay, where do I go from here? And that's what I'm hearing in your story as well. That's exactly true. And I love your observation, Munira, when you say that you have to accept what's happening in order to go through change. I I completely resonate with that. And I even came up with almost a way to kind of create that, uh, that, that, or at least go through a form of acceptance. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to talk about that right now. It really helped me to deal with this whole cancer diagnosis and, and put it behind me. Uh, <laughs> do you want me to talk about that? I would love to hear, yeah, w- what you did and, and how you got to acceptance. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. Because I really realized it was uh, after those couple of probably initial, I want to say, weeks of, I think, dealing with this new knowledge that I'm going to be, you know, in fact, going through this kind of intense treatment. Uh, I I realized that I'm I'm struggling to make sense of it. I don't know what's going on. And what I came up to is a visualization. Mm. And so what I imagined is I imagined... um, so imagine yourself in a in an empty theater. Imagine yourself you're in an empty kind of old school theater. You're sitting in your seat and you're very comfortable and the lights are down and you're alone, right? There's no one else in the theater. And, and you're looking at the stage and all of a sudden the lights go up on the stage. And up on the stage, I see, you see a scene of something that has been troubling you and something that has really thrown you, of course. And in my case, it was the scene 
of my diagnosis of um, uh, uh, and very similar scene of <laughs> getting uh, getting my, my tests about uh, cancer going to my lymph nodes and I'm and I vi- and I saw it so clearly when you see it on the stage for, uh, for me it was seeing myself with the doctor I remember how the lights were there I remember the words I remember how I felt and when you go through that experience and when you see how you feel and what was going on and you see that situation but then you also realize that that is something that is happening out on the stage that I'm actually sitting comfortably in my seat and 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 that whatever is happening out there it has already happened and I'm no longer a part of that situation and in my head, as I'm imagining the situation in the theater, I stand up, I turn around, I see the exit sign in the distance flashing, and I walk towards it. And I physically imagine the stage behind me, uh, where, you know, there's the scene of diagnosis is still playing out. And, and I'm physically, I can hear what's going on, I can hear what's happening, but I'm walking away from it. I'm walking away from this diagnosis, from whatever uh, situation has been that made it so difficult and has turned your life upside down, working towards whatever comes next, working towards life and walking away from the situation that's holding you back. And that's been something that's helped me to find acceptance with the reality of having cancer. That, that is so powerful. I mean, so many different threads to pull here, Joe. Um, <laughs> one is, you know, being able to see something objectively on the stage. The, the other is understanding that you are present in this moment and what has happened is in the past. And the other is making a choice to say, how do I move forward? I mean, it's so beautiful and so powerful. And I will absolutely put that in my toolkit when I'm faced with a, with a difficult situation. I love it. So it's been about five years since your diagnosis. And here you are full of energy, so vibrant. <laughs> <laughs> you started a podcast called Simplify Cancer Podcast. Tell us about that. Thank you so much for your kind words, Munira. I, it really means a lot to me. Uh, and the podcast really started as, as something that was being really selfish uh, because I wanted to, I came out of my, my experience with cancer and I wasn't in a great place at all. And uh, you might uh, uh, you might see some similarities in, in your experience, perhaps. But I felt like, you know, this whole thing was um, over. I was done with my treatment. I, uh, you know, I was waiting for my results. But I wasn't in the place where I think some people expected me to be, to be able to kind of jump back into life. Because I remember, like, I remember coming home when you were from this experience of going through, through chemo and, find, and ending up home. I remember that I was so lost 
and confused. Like I was still had all these side effects from treatment. I, I had in, in, in this incredible fatigue that would kind of just sweep over me. And sometimes I would be feeling fine, but sometimes I would just feel completely knocked down. Uh, I would feel like I, I couldn't eat normal foods because like my taste buds were so off. My head was a mess. I, I, physically I, I i was off and i was like how am i gonna live the rest of my life i mean i'm gonna be there for my wife how am i gonna be there for my son how am i gonna go back to work what am i gonna do with myself and i started to really try to really make sense of what was going on and how to live life from now on and i thought well you know what as unique, as special as I think as I am, I'm sure there's uh, other people who go through similar challenges and and maybe there are other ways to kind of figure out life and decide what to do now and find better of dealing with it, you know, emotionally and, 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 and socially and physically and spiritually, right? And that's why I wanted to get answers. So I that's why I really started podcast. I knew I wanted to get answers for myself, but also I thought, well, this could help others. And because I was I was listening to podcasts when I was in hospital. Yes. And I know that you could listen to it even when you're not feeling great. Uh, I thought I was like, well, why don't I do a podcast? And so <laughs> I thought, well, who should I talk to first? Well, I know this oncologist guy was like looking after me in the hospital. So I'll go to talk to him first. And, and so that was an experience where like that kind of followed on on a really uh, kind of personal journey where I next up, I, I, uh, he pointed me towards like, um, someone who he knew specializes in exercise for people who had cancer. And then, so I jumped, started jumping onto these completely different people and learning about different, you know, kind of professionals uh, who help people who've been through cancer uh, in terms of, I learned about psycho-oncologists, kind of this whole field of, uh, of dealing with the, the mental side of cancer. I, I spoke to, Uh, cancer survivors and people who've been through it themselves to share what worked for them and and it's been an 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 incredible journey in meeting you know incredible people like yourself right who's who use who using that experience to not only live a better life but also to help and inspire others to do the same. So it's, it's uh, yeah, that's kind of where the, how the podcast came about with, without some big plan at all. <laughs> it just happened. So, so the podcast was really born from your purpose to, to learn for yourself as well as then to help others going through a similar journey. Like what, what, a, what a wonderful purpose that is. That is amazing. And I've had a chance to browse through the guests that you've had. And man, every guest there um, has been, I mean, somebody that I would certainly want to uh, listen to, like such incredible words of, of wisdom. Well, thank you so much, Munira. Yes, it's, it's um, I guess it's uh, like... Uh, much like yourself with, with your podcast and and everything that I, you know I love the most is people's stories and real finding ways to really connect with that because I think the power of stories and 
I know you do that with your book, but of course with your podcast and the power of stories, the power of, you know, you know, a, a person who's listening to a conversation like this now, I truly believe that the power isn't for someone going, oh my goodness, look at Joe going through cancer. Or, But when, you know, when I talk about, for example, my diagnosis, you think about your diagnosis or, or something difficult that happened in your life. Right. And, or, you know, when you share about, talking about how we need to accept something uh, difficult that we need to change, the power of that is that, the person listening to go to it realizes, yes, that's what I need to do because we all need to do that for ourselves. And I think that is that is the true power of uh, of I guess you know connecting with with other people's stories in whatever way you can to really find something that really resonates with you on a deep personal level and helps you to move forward. You make a really good point there, Joe. And, and the point is, it doesn't just have to be cancer. It's really any adversity that life um, brings your way. You know, cancer is one, but it could be any adversity. Um, the, the stories and the lessons are how do you overcome? How do you overcome those? Yeah. And we'll get to that in a moment. But um, so the podcast was not enough for you. So you decided <laughs> that you were going to write a book. And yep. uh, the, the book is called uh, Simplify Cancer, Men's Guide to Navigating the Everyday Reality of Cancer. Uh, why was it so important for you to write this book? Yes, Munira, it was hugely important to me because I realized uh, also by talking to quite a lot of men specifically in this instance is that I learned that a lot of us guys are not great at expressing our emotions in terms of dealing with things. And a, uh, for me, a great insight in being in different support groups and, and online forums and talking to people in hospitals. And what I realized that one thing that is very distinct about men going through cancer or in fact dealing with mental health issues or uh, whatever kind of big challenges that they face. I believe you know, the, the narrative that, that I've heard quite a bit in our society has been that men don't want to open up about troubles that they're in. I really found that not to be the case. I found that men can open up with people that they know, that they like, and they trust. I found that the biggest challenge specifically for men is to make sense of the situation that they find themselves first. Because mm -hmm. when you're dealing, whether that's cancer, whether that's divorce, whether that's, uh, you know, uh, losing your business, whether that's, uh, you know, death of a loved one. Uh, it's something that I think, especially as guys have very difficult processing. And when you haven't been able to make any sense of it yourself, then how on earth are you going to talk about it with others? How on earth are you going to get support? And so for me, this is why I've, uh, I've really, uh, that's why really I've wrote this book to, from men's perspective, to answer, you know, four essential 
questions that I think every man specifically faces when they get through cancer. And the first is asking, well, why me? Which is something that we touched on uh, as well as how do you make sense of what's going on and find a way forward? What happens now, right? That's the second part of the book is really is, is working out like what, what can I do now in a practical way to learn about cancer, to understand my treatment? So how can I ask the right questions? How can I, uh, you know, move forward in an empowered way? Third question is really the third part of the book is the, really just the question of who's going to be there for me? Because the realization that uh, I had was that there's a lot, there's people who want to be there for you and they want to support you, but they don't really know how. <laughs> so we have to be able to kind of explain to them how to do it in a way that doesn't feel weird or awkward for you or them, right? Because I think that's a big piece of, of going through that experience. And the fourth part is how do you deal with waiting? and uncertainty because it can be so tough and it can have such a huge impact on how we live our life. So these are kind of the four essential questions that I wanted to answer in this book to to really make it a practical guide for a man who's going through cancer and really stepping through what they need to do on these accounts to get to a place where you know, it's, it's, never, it's never going to be an experience that you exactly enjoy, but at least it can be an experience that you can live with and manage on your own terms. Mm-hmm. And that was my big objective there. So why me? What now? Who's going to be there for me? And how do I deal with the waiting? Yeah. You know, I really love the way you've organized the book. It's, uh, it's very simple without being simplistic. And I think that's the power of your book. And in one of your promotions, I loved what you said. You said something like, um, if I had known then what I know now, I might have made different choices. And uh, I, I, I thought that was just a, a really uh, good reason uh, why people need to pick up your book, because you lay it out in a, in a beautiful format. Um, let's talk about some of your most valuable learnings, Joe. Um, your most valuable learnings, and, and these could be your own personal learnings or learnings from guests who have uh, been on your podcast. Yes, absolutely. First of all, thank you so much, uh, Munira, for your kind words. I, I really appreciate it. And I feel that the knowledge, uh, you know, that I'm sharing in the book and that, you know, and that as you are sharing in your book, of course, as well, that knowledge is hard earned. And I feel that it's incredibly um important to uh, always come at it from a perspective of you know going through perhaps you know a difficult experience uh, but also finding a way to move forward and and so some of the biggest uh, learnings that uh, um, I've really learned and the first thing has to do with fear and has to do with worry. One of the things that I've really realized is, is 
And I think this is something that's been a painful journey and realization for me is that when you bring your fear to light, it loses its grip on you. And because, you know, for the longest time, I was so paranoid about all of these worries about, you know, and, and I didn't even know what, what they were, like dying from cancer. I, uh, I was afraid of what's going to happen, you know, like, for example, like, will I still be able to, for example, have sex? Uh, like all of those things that kept, uh, what if my wife leaves me? And all of these just fears and worries that you can't really even admit to yourself because they sound so awful that we all have inside of ourselves. But bringing those out in a way that for me, bringing that out in conversation with, for example, with my wife or with a friend or just even with myself to be able to talk about it out loud uh, even when I was out on a walk somewhere and just been able to talk through it and to try to make sense of it is, has been a huge difference. And I think this is something that we got to do for ourselves. These things we have running inside of ourselves and, and whether that's, uh, you know, whether that's to do with cancer, whether that's to do with mental health, whether that's to do with whatever way that is, with a difficult situation, we have these things running at the back of your mind and they keep on eating away at you because we haven't really been able to bring them out. We haven't been able out to find a way to speak them out. Uh, and I think it's so crucial to bring them out, whether to write them out on paper. And just if I, I've done it, by the way, it's, I would highly recommend this as a way of dealing with it is to get a piece of paper and write out and say, like, put out a prompt, like, here is what I'm afraid of right now and start writing without thinking. Because things that I've done uh, like that have completely surprised me. You get to all sorts of things you haven't even imagined. And what happens, Munira, I find, is when you write those things down or when you, when you, when you talk about them, preferably both, you kind of get to see it for what it is. And you go, hold on a second, that's not that scary. Or, you know what, maybe that's not even going to happen. Or what could I do to find out more about this? Or is there anything that I can do to, to, to get someone to help me with that? And it completely changes the focus of, of, uh, of living. You go from living with uh, fear. You go through kind of living past fear, I would say. God, I... I, I um... I just want to say what an incredibly valuable lesson that is, right? And and um, it takes courage and it takes vulnerability and it takes a lot of inner work and it takes skills to be able to do what it is that you are um, suggesting. And there's this whole concept of primary emotions and secondary emotions. And so often these... Uh, worries, these fears just consume us and take away our ability to live our life because we're now no longer living in the present is what I'm hearing you say. It's about really taking that fear and unwrapping it 
and making sense of it so that it doesn't have that hold on us anymore. That, that is absolutely true, Munira. I couldn't agree with you more because as you rightly point out, that the fear and the worries, they all live and they consume us, as you rightly, as you rightly point out. They live in this kind of abstract future. And I'm so grateful that you are bringing this down to this kind of, again, huge part of our lives is how, if you've been through a difficult time, how do you bring yourself back to the present? How do you bring yourself back to a situation where you are able to enjoy the experience and uh, uh, no matter what you're going through and to enjoy what you have as opposed to what has been taken away from you. You know, for me, Munir, I remember distinctly sitting on the couch one day and, uh, and being so overwhelmed with like just fear and frustration and not knowing what's going to happen and uncertainty and and not knowing what's going to happen and i was i wasn't completely i wasn't taking part in just kind of normal life and i remember just asking myself asking what if this was my last day on earth what if this was my last day on this planet what would I do right now? Mm-hmm. And would I like worry about what's going to happen, about things, all these things that I can't even control, that I have no idea about anyway, that like things that have biology and random chance and I have nothing to do. Mm-hmm. Well, what is it that I could do right now? Well, right now, I, you know what? I could go and have a pillow fight with my son and that's something that I'm going to enjoy. And yeah. that's what I did. And I've, and it just cleared my head. I was in a place where I just, I wasn't thinking about what's going to happen. I was just doing the silly thing on the, uh, we were like uh, on the bed, jumping and throwing pillows and singing, like making up ridiculous songs. And I took that on all like as a mindset. I took, took that on as a question that I ask myself when I get like, thrown out with with worry with with life with 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 fear with just just overwhelm and as i asked myself like what if this was my last day on this planet what would i do right now and it helps me to clear those things not remove them but at least set them aside so that i can live in this what's called more mindful experience and be in the present moment where you can find something that is important to you in your life right now. It reminds me of the Wayne Dyer quote, you know, where he says, accept the fact that you will never get it all done and begin to live more fully in the only moment you have, which is now. And so don't obsess about the future and don't regret the past, but it's about in this moment. And the, and the weird thing, Joe, is I do the same. And I find that the more I live in this moment, the more I can actually manage and um, make really wonderful choices for the future because I'm doing what I can in this moment, um, things that I have control over. 
I, I get you. I totally get you. Um, Joe, um, tips for living beyond cancer. Yes, well, uh, a couple of things that come to mind right away. I think this is something that um, I've learned through, I guess, my experience in going through cancer, but also going through life is that no one, I feel like when you go through adversity, when you go through difficult times, um, after that point, no one is going to kind of come up to you and say, look, here you go. Here's the, here is the life that you truly want. Here is the opportunity that you truly deserve. Here is kind of the next step uh, you should take in your career. Here is the person you should fall in love with. We, none of these things are going to be given to us. And I've learned the, one of the biggest epiphanies that I have is that you already own everything that you will ever have. And it's, it's, I feel that we have to look at life as, as owning all of those things that we already want inside of ourselves. Nice. Wanting, uh, and, and, if, and sometimes we also forget or don't know what it is that it, what what we want, and we have to just kind of rediscover this through the process of of just trying and giving yourself the permission to explore, to wonder, to see what's possible, to see what's out there. Because after we you you get hit, you know. It, in life with you know a traumatic situation with a difficult moment where we often end up in is, is we want to close in we want to stay in one place and that's what everyone you know says to you you got you got to just you know just keep the ball rolling just don't ruffle the feathers can yeah. you stay in one place right <laughs> isn't it yes. and i think it's it's so vital to in fact allow yourself to dream, allow yourself to go what's possible, uh, allow to say yourself to say what is impossible. Because just before I was I was I was going to talk to you, I, this is I thought I'd love to say that to to Munira is is I was thinking like even if it is impossible, I'm still going to go for it because it's why not right? Like no one's going to stop you, especially if you've been through something difficult in your life, then. No one's going to turn around and say, well, uh, no, just you should go back to your place. We already have the permission to do, to try whatever it is you want to do in life and just go for it, right? And explore. And when, and one thing that I've discovered, and I know by just the con uh, connection that we have and everything we've talked about so far, you've experienced this as well, is that when you go and you try out the one thing, it's going to lead you to this other thing that you've yes. never even considered. And you end up in places uh, uh, doing things that you've never thought possible, making connections with people that you uh, didn't even work completely outside of what you thought was realistic or even made sense and uh, in terms of making a, a, a great impact in whatever way that, that is for you. And I think giving yourself the chance to go out, 
and explore and see what's right is an incredible uh, gift that we can give to ourselves. Because one question that I always ask is, why worry about all the things that can go wrong when there is so much to do right? I love all those words. I mean, I love the words like wonder and and, uh, dream and explore. Um, And, you know, I completely, um, completely am with you, Joe, because uh, I, I sometimes think that cancer really woke me up, you know, uh, and in many ways has been a gift because pre-cancer, I mean, I had a pretty darn good life. You know, I, I made lots of money. I was in, in jobs that I loved, um, wonderful family, you know, so I didn't really want anything, but was I truly living? I don't know. Post-cancer, I did exactly what you are proposing, you know? And I said, well, I'm living on borrowed time anyway. (laughs) So what is it that I want to do, you know? And I just like went out and I, I sucked the marrow of life, you know? And I, I am doing things and I'm living my life in a way that is just so incredibly joyful. So I just want you to know that what you're saying makes complete sense to me because that's exactly what I did. I thought, borrow time. You know, I'm not going to live in the way others think I should live or in the way that I have been conditioned to. I am going to live life, like really live uh, fully. And uh, it's, it's just too bad that it took cancer to get me to that place. <laughs> I love that, Manira. That is beautiful. I love exactly how you put it. It's so true that you we, you are living on borrowed time and that it gives you incredible freedom to yes. do whatever it is that, that you want to go for. Because yeah, it turns out that we don't need permission from anyone yes. to do the life that you lead. And I think that's that's so powerful. And I think that's that's also a, 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 a ray of hope uh, towards, uh, you know, if you are being in a, in a tough spot and, and realize and thinking, and I think, you know, you know this as well, Munira, that when you're in a, in a, it's such a, in a difficult spot in your life, you don't see a way out and you don't think that things are ever going to change. And oftentimes that's not the case that things do change, that they can become better. And that hope for me, I don't know that hope is such a a big idea for you as well. And that hope is, it's just a belief that something is, might change. Something can, there might be a way out. And that's something that I can look back on one day and see how, you know, it made my life say not always better but at least different it's given me a new way of uh you know of living i mean for me it's certainly better but you know it's it's always looking at at life as something that you can look back on and knowing that that light is there let's dig deeper into the concept of hope because during the pandemic you took that time to birth another book 
And that book is called Finding Hope in Times of Uncertainty. And uh, I, I love... I love what you've done with this book. I mean, you, you talk about hope in three different components. You talk about finding it, building it, and sharing it. Can you, can you share with, uh, with my listeners um, what you meant by that? Yes, absolutely. I, 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 you know, I've always, I'll go back to the story about how this book has come about. And it's come about really through a conversation I had with my grandma at the start of the pandemic. And and this was, uh, you know, uh, probably in March of 2020. And um, and we were talking about uh, the virus and my grandma told me about a time when she was, she's, she's now, what, 96, I believe. She's the most incredible, the wisest person I have ever met. And she told me about this time when she was a medical student in, in Soviet Union. And she told me about this typhus epidemic, which I knew nothing about. But apparently it's, it's, it, it killed millions of people uh, back in the day. And so she told me about how, you know, back then she was sent as a medical student to this remote mountain village with no supplies, no medical equipment, no training. And she was supposed to help people out, which she did her best and she got it herself and how she nearly died. And how back then, you know, uh, there was no food and, and, uh, and you couldn't leave the village. And it was just an awful time. And I said to her, well, how did you guys get through it? Because it was so, so rough, you know, like how, how did you make it through? And she goes, you know what? We had hope. We had hope that one day things could be different. We had hope that one day things might change. And I loved that. And I thought, well, that's something that's really helped me as well in so many difficult points of, of my life. And I really started to, to kind of explore this idea of what hope is and how to find hope when you have to deal with, with fear and confusion and despair. And I put or, all those or things. Or the pandemic. Or the pandemic, exactly, right? Because we live through this tremendous time of uncertainty, this new era of uncertainty, where this idea of knowing what tomorrow will bring has completely gone out the window. And I feel that hope really isn't like a relic of the days gone past or, or only like a religious idea. But in fact, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's an idea that we can, or practice that we can take on for our lives to help us uh, find hope in dealing with confusion and despair and worry and to build resilience and then to build hope in the context of helping, using hope to help you towards finding confidence, towards going to your, your goals and ambitions to achieve in life. Because we know that's also difficult. There's a tremendous amount of uncertainty, whether you want to build a career or whether you want to fall in love or whether whatever it is that you want to do in terms of your ambitions. I mean, multiple things. We know that it's it, we get into challenges. We run into obstacles and, and using hope to build that and to have purpose and something that drives you onwards. And then also using that to shape 
your personal character to be who you want to be so that you are ultimately able to share the hope that you have to inspire and support people around you that could be your family which could be uh, your friends which could be your community which could be people who've gone through the experiences that you have which could be just people out in the world who are also looking for answers because right now that kind of certainly feels like the pretty much the rest of the world because we're living like we talked about in a great era of uncertainty where we could all do with finding that hope and for me i guess the way that i think about hope munira is i've had this um, experience in lockdown but uh our you know our, our second son is is he, he but he, he was one years old and he was fascinated with lights he would like point out you know, at the ceiling, he would go, light, light, light. And he would walk through the house and point at different lights. And then, you know, at one point during the day, I remember it being like a beautiful day, really sunny, blue skies. I remember him pointing, you know, walking through the house going, light, light, light. And I was like, what is he talking about? I mean, the lights are off and the sun is out. And he was talking about lights because he couldn't see them but he knew where the lights should be. And that was for me I, how I see hope. And sometimes you don't always see because you might be in a dark time, but that doesn't mean it's not there. It doesn't mean that the hope is there sometimes even when you can't see it. Yeah, that is so beautifully articulated. I sometimes have trouble articulating it uh, because you're right, it's so unseen and yet it's such a... A, a big force and um, I, I think the way that I I approach hope now is very much from a place of practice like you mentioned and approach so whenever I'm in any situation I look at it and I say what is hopeful about this and it just helps me move uh, where I need to go but there is something so strong in this unseen uh, force. So tell me one thing you are hopeful for. I'm personally most hopeful for, um, you know, making a, you know, making a greater impact with this book. I feel that it's, uh, and I don't say it lightly. <laughs> I never thought I would be in a, in a place where I'm talking about something as what I feel, you know, is about my message to the world. I know it sounds in some ways uh, so, um, it sounds so big and sounds so almost arrogant in a way, but I feel it's a very personal uh, message. I feel it's, it's a very personal message uh, or uh, message of making a change that, that you wanna make for yourself, making a change of what you believe in the world and finding, you know, uh, and using those experiences that come upon us, those experiences that, that, that make your life difficult, that throw you off, that pull you down or pull you back, is that the, using those experiences is not something that defines you, as something that, that holds you back, 
but but using those experiences to accept them and then decide what is it that I'm going to do with this experience? What is it that I'm going to take with it so that, you know, I can live a good life because if you've been through a difficult time, when you found yourself questioning your sanity, when you find yourself in a place where you're scared and maybe miserable and alone, I think the first thing you need to, you want to realize is you're not alone. We all go through these experiences and and together it is that we come out stronger because this is something that I always talk about in the book is that it's alone that we suffer, but together, together we hope. <laughs> it is a beautiful, beautiful place, I think, to, to conclude uh, this conversation. It has been so wonderful um, chatting with you. It almost feels like we're together um, in one room, um, just having a coffee and a conversation. And I know that we could have probably easily talked for another three hours. Um, thank you so much for your time, for your message of hope, for the takeaway that no matter what life throws at us and each one of us have our own challenges, that the idea is not to give up, but really it is about lifting ourselves up and finding our purpose and finding what makes us joyful and living that life or pursuing our path toward that life. And it is possible, you've shown us that. Thank you uh, a million times, Joe, for taking this time. Thank you so much, Manira, for having me. And I love what you do. And so I want to say on behalf of um, the world, thank you for what you do because it makes a huge difference. Thank you. If you have enjoyed today's show, click the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. Share the podcast with others. And if you want to help this podcast grow, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. So more listeners tune into it. It really helps. In the meantime, whatever you're doing, wherever you are, choose hope. How will you choose hope today?